Hey everyone, I'm Steven Stout, Executive Director with the Texas Society of Association Executives. I'm here with my co-host, Katie Marker. Hi, Katie Marker, Marketing and Communications Director at TSAE. And we are here live for our second ever live episode at the New Ideas Annual Conference. Yeah, we did it once, so we thought we'd do it again. How do you think time one went? Oh, I mean, we knocked it out of the ballpark. You think so? Oh. I thought it was funny. They were they were telling us that, you know, when they do this at events, they were expecting maybe, you know, don't be disappointed. There may be four or five people in the audience and just continue with what you're doing. So I ignored the audience completely, which helped me. And I just paid attention to their guest and you. And at the end of the session, I looked back at the room was standing room only. And that made I'm glad How I did not cool look. How cool was that? I'm glad I did not look. I did the same thing. Yeah. I was too scared. I was too scared to look. Today, I'm going to look. <laughs> all these smiling faces. And we're glad that you all decided to come join us today. In this conversation, we're talking about leadership. That's right. And we have a special guest today who's done many things in leadership. And when we were sort of brainstorming on who we should get, this name kept popping up to the top of the list. And so luckily she agreed. I'm not sure willingly, but she's here anyway. Uh, so we <laughs> Thanks have, for twisting that arm, That's Steven. right. I, do, I call in a lot of favors and I'm sure I've, I've cashed in all of my mind with this <laughs> guest. So we have Leslie Midsley, CAE, with us today. Leslie is the uh, leader of the Texas Land and Title Association. And she has been in that position for 44 years. 41. 41. Ooh. Making sure. Sorry, Leslie. 41 as a former TSC passport chair. And we're just really thrilled she was able to sit with us today. So, yes. Thank you, Leslie, my, so much for joining us. I'm Welcome. To be here. Yeah. We're Thanks super. Thanks for being our oh. guinea pig. This yes. is my second podcast, not oh, my first. You oh, you second podcast oh. ever? I'm a veteran. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, the second one I've been a. Interviewed. Okay. Oh, yeah. You're as well, much of a veteran as we are. Yeah. You're all, everyone's the same, <laughs> the same level. Yeah. You guys seem like naturals. Oh, and thanks. All... And else we like yeah, each yeah. other. And yeah, if, like, if we yeah, didn't like each sure. other, it'd be a harder podcast. For but sure. We, we tend to get along. <laughs> no backgrounds in radio or anything? I do. Well, Stephen does. I do. Oh, I came does. from radio. Yeah, um, I but, hear that. Uh, and I let him do most of the talking, so. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things we always do, Leslie, we start our podcast with a question of each of our guests because in our space, association management, as you know, a lot of people did not go to school for this. We all sort of discovered this space in different ways. And, and that's one of our favorite stories to kind of hear how people discovered this space. So we always ask, what is your fallen story? What is your fallen story to this space? And how did you get to where you are? And now we have been poked that we shouldn't use the term fallen because it's sort of a negative connotation. We should, what is, how did you find this calling? <laughs> well, we ask that question, everyone responds with, well, I fell into it. Like, well, yeah. we're just going to stick with fallen. So yeah. what is your fallen story? I'm Listen. cool with the fallen language. <laughs> um, well, I think that I always knew I wanted to do something service oriented, but I couldn't focus in on what it was. And I had three majors already in college. So I think I started out in elementary education, social work, and then speech pathology, which had a whole lot more science classes than I realized. Oh, yeah. And yep, that yep. is not my strong suit. So you said, no, I better never pivot again. <laughs> yeah, pivot. So I took about what turned out to be about a 10-year break from college when I was a junior in college to try to find myself and where it was I wanted to land. So my first real job during that break was with a title company, very coincidental to then working at the Land Title Association. Then I fell into the hotel business, and from the hotel business, the logical transition to the association business. So that was kind of my, my route. Once I got in the association business, it was a real aha moment for me. It was like, this is it. This is perfect. This is the combo of service plus a business aspect. So I just stayed put. 
Yeah. Right? That's why I've been there 41 years. It's like, don't give up this gig. Right. You know, yeah. this, is, this is it. It's interesting. I landed in an industry that is also a fall-in business. Okay. So there is no college degree for title insurance. There is no direct career path. That. It's very much of an apprentice-type business. Yeah. And so in the title business, what people say is it gets in your blood. Mm. Oh, okay. And once oh, you're like in, that. you're in. I like that, yeah. You can't leave, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think the association business gets in your blood. Interesting. So yeah. you you're, you fell in, your members are falling in, mm-hmm. everyone's falling in, and you guys are <laughs> connecting in that way. I love yeah. that. That's a great story. I do, awesome. too. I think that's all. That's wonderful. We're so glad you fell in. Yes, We're so glad it's sure. in your blood. So, yeah, that's how you got into it. But tell me what you love the most about working in this industry. You know, people, you know, if, if you're someone who thought you wanted to be in something service oriented, obviously you like people. I mean, I'm an introvert, actually, but I love No, you're people. not. Yeah, Are you? Yes, I am. I didn't know that. <laughs> I am. Self-proclaimed? Or? I say an introvert with good social skills. Oh, okay. <laughs> that I get. But I like the relationships and, oh my gosh, within the association industry and within my own association I work for. You know, my best friends, right? Lifelong best relationships. Yeah. So that, that'd be number one. I think I like the variety. Okay. Never gets dull because you're, yeah. yes, it's seasonal. Yes, you may do conference the same time of year, but you're constantly switching gears, yeah. right? It's, you, you're not going to get bored. Yeah. You know, I think the thing that's probably kept me doing it for so long and people keep saying, when are you going to retire? But <laughs> I'm constantly challenged. Yeah. I mean, it's endless challenges. I, and I'm not exaggerating. This is not her hyperbole. I bet you I learn something new for sure every week. Yeah. Every week I tackle something that I say, I've never done this before, or I don't know about this, and I'm going to need to get up to speed on it. Sometimes it's daily. Kind of right. depends on what you're yeah. in the middle of. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm still learning. Still yep. learning this business. It's funny you say that because um, about every day being different. I always have this big audacious goal on Sundays. I make a list of all the things I'm going to do this week. And I'm really proud of my list. And then I go in on Monday. And at the end of Monday at work, I'm like, I have done absolutely nothing in any of this list that I promised myself I would do. But I'm not mad about it. Outside the OCD in me, I'm like, I really want to check this box. But that's why I like being here, too. It's just every day is something new. You um, never know what's going to pop yeah. up. You check boxes. I yeah, do. I like I, across the room. Do you? I'm, I'm, I'm a, a check, I'm a check box. <laughs> Are you? I guess, I guess we're dying great so check boxers. Um, <laughs> that's all right. So we are talking about leadership today, Leslie, and, and you've been a leader in our space for a while. And I just wanted to kind of understand, how would you define your own leadership style right now? Ah, uh-huh, the old leadership style question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think, you know, and I've been to seminars where you have the six types and leadership styles. And I just can't imagine that it's a word. I think it's a bucket of things. And I think you start with what your natural gifts are and, you know, you sort of build on that. So for me, you know, I think people, so relationships, I've always enjoyed cultivating, building, nurturing. I like that care and feeding piece. And so I approach everything from that standpoint, you know, sort of a the management by love or caring sure, sure. or whatever. That's definitely my approach. I kind of embedded within that. I think it's sort of a golden rule approach, like, you know, lead like you'd want to be led, right? I, I think there may be people in our viewing audience our live today audience who happen. know <laughs> firsthand uh, my leadership skills. So I hope they will be very quiet during this. But <laughs> um, I'd say it's very engaged. I'm definitely not an ivory tower 
you know, aloof, hands-on, collaborative, hopefully not too hands-on. Sure, but, sure. Uh, but I definitely, you know, I'm engaged in what's going on. I'm a like a strategy nerd. That's my favorite thing to do is strategize. Well, if you're going to be a nerd about something, uh-huh. strategy is yeah. probably a good one. Very analytical. So I like to gather a lot of data and I like to make a plan. I think making a plan is, you know, so much fun mapping everything <laughs> yeah. out. This one I think is possibly my biggest driver. So this may be generational, but I think I approach leadership from a place of duty. Okay. So I was a Girl Scout growing up. And I'm a grown-up Girl Scout, too. I serve on the Girl Scout board and have for about 10 years. Oh, that's awesome. So one of the Girl Scout mantras that you learn early on is always leave a place better than you found it. Oh, I love that. That's my North Star in personal relationships, in work. And so when people say, when are you going to retire? I'm like, I think to myself, I don't think I'm done. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think there are more things in my bucket. Sure. But... It's a pretty good bucket you got there. <laughs> One of the things that I was curious about is because of your tenure of service at your organization and leading teams, how do you think you've evolved from when you started as a leader to, let's say, today? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That was so much. I was so green. I don't, I don't think I even thought of myself uh, in connection with that word. And I'm so much more comfortable and confident now, I think. So the uh, i, I we would like to officially announce that I have been cured of the imposter syndrome. You have. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. How long does that Very take? Like, what year does that I'm over it. Okay. <laughs> so, but I tell you, I think for me, I really, this is why I've stayed at the association where I am so long. We have fabulous members and they're very supportive. So the confidence they placed in me, the support they've given me, the respect they've given me, in a lot of cases, cut a long rope, right? A lot of leeway. Yes. For me, that's what helped me build that confidence. Yeah. That's what they helped trust me you. believe in myself was, yeah, the trust. It's yeah, interesting it's you crazy. say generational because I don't know if it is really, only because when I got this job leading TSE, uh, and, and I know when I got it, it was one of the things I was shocked that I got it, number one. Secondly, I can't believe someone was paying me to help my friends succeed. Like, that's what I was doing anyway, like uh, my, my personal time. And now it's my professional. Love that. But it was interesting to me how many people came up to me when I got this job uh, asking me, what's next for you? And I'm like, I literally just like learned how to open the door in the office. Like, and now you're, I don't know what's next for me. I just got here. And I always feel like when people are uh, pushing you to like, you shouldn't, you've been there too long, you go to the next thing. But I'm like, but I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but I'm happy and I love the people. And like, why would I walk away? From happy. We hope you stay forever. Oh, well, I yeah. appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate that. But, Don't I mean, listen to those people. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I just think it's interesting, like, before I even had an opinion of what it was like to work at TSAE, because I hadn't been so green, someone literally asked me, like, a week after the job, well, where do you think what we'll you, go next? What are you going to do next? Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Like, I have no clue. <laughs> well, and the grower you're planted, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, what a great place to grow. I know, right? Absolutely. So, so I just think it's interesting that some people always look for the next thing as quickly as possible. But I feel like there's when you find something you love and you find something that speaks to your heart, mm-hmm. right? And you happen to be able to make money at it, right. like where I walk away from a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, if you're into relationship building, I, I guess you could say it'd be fun to go build them elsewhere. Sure. But uh, it's hard to leave. Yes. So absolutely. I just never have. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. Maybe I'll do 41 <laughs> years too. <laughs> I love that for both. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> we got that. Uh, Officially, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We have this on, on record. Team. Yes, on recording. Uh, yeah. So, 
Well, Leslie, you know, we have a mentorship program going on right now that we just started. It's a, you know, a new one this year for TSAE and you would be the perfect mentor. My question for you is what kind of advice would you share as a mentor, as someone who has seen this space grow and change? What's one piece of advice you have? You know, I think one of the biggest ways that I think that association management has changed, and it's probably changed in every business, is that we used to, you could just sort of be generalists. You just needed people who were kind of willing to, you know, interested in the cause, ready to work, pitch in. Yeah. Everybody needs to be a specialist now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, I think sort of figuring out where your passion is, where your bundle of skills is, might be important to think about what, what it is you're bringing to the table. Because I think it's just that, I would say, is different. Otherwise, I think the fundamentals really haven't changed. It's a relationship business. I'd say don't lose sight of that. Never make it all about you. As soon as it becomes all about you, it's sort of over. And it's tough. It's definitely a business where you have to let go of your ego a lot. Because, you know, the best thing that's going to happen is that you're watching your ideas become successful through someone else. So. Not everybody likes right. that. You I've heard, have to I heard, like that. I heard someone say, and I thought it was interesting, that ego has no place in associations. Uh-huh. I was like, well, that's a really interesting quote. And yeah. I haven't, it probably needs to be said more. Yeah. No, I think that's it. And I don't think this is new either, but I think COVID taught us flexibility and adaptability. If you think you need work in either of those areas, get to work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that is, those are the A number one skill sets. Yeah. Today. You yeah. got to be ready. And that's tough. Yeah, yeah, it is tough. not for everyone. It is right? not for everyone. Yeah. I would say also don't ever dig in. Stay open. Okay. That's in the flexibility, adaptability range. But if you've been somewhere for a really long time, so Stephen, think about this. You're going to eventually have to either put to sleep or put on bed rest things that you created. Right. Y- your sacred cows are going to be your yeah. sacred cows, yes, right? yes, yes. <laughs> that you're killing. Yes, yes. Um, so, <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah, I bet. too. You know, you have to be willing to say, "Oh, yep, that was that was a good idea." Then, not yeah. so much anymore. Let's move on. This would be one other bit of advice: get a kitchen cabinet. Mm-hmm. Now, I think within TSAE, most of us have a, a network, right? I have a group of kind of layers of group. So if I if I want an HR thing, it's a little group I'm gonna go ask, you know, if it's, you know, a legal question or a non dues, maybe other people who I see are successful there. Mm-hmm. But I would say within your employing association, get a kitchen cabinet. And I don't think people do that that often. Okay. Find, you know, a trusted group. In my case it's mostly past chairs. Mm-hmm. A, people you can be vulnerable with. I don't typically go to them as a group. You know, but there are people who I call and say, am I on the right track mm-hmm. even? Mm-hmm. I mean, help me think this through. You know all the personalities. Mm-hmm. You know the dynamics here. You know the politics. Am I approaching this right? Tell me if I'm not. Yeah. Before I go too far down this path. You need a handful of people like that. The ones you can just say, be honest with me. Does your kitchen cabinet rotate? You know how some people may leave the industry or? Yes. You know, I would say retirements. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> sort yeah, yeah. Of- you know, the further people get away from the business, sure, sure, the less in tune they are. Although I think some of those people are still can be trusted yeah, on, yeah. Lot, uh, on just a lot of general, say it's leadership or you know business advice. Right. 
Yeah, that good good question about rotate. I, I definitely rotate people in. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. You never kick anybody out. I'm not sure I ever kick anybody. You have a real big cabinet. Everyone's welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think any of those people would know that they're in your cabinet. necessarily in my cabinet. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So. Yeah. Leslie, you've been the leader for a while, like we talked about, but I'm curious, what do you think? Because I I, I think there are a lot of things, but I'm curious what you think is the hardest part about being a leader. Yeah, that's there's a lot. I know. (laughs) I mean, there's the obvious, I think Christopher mentioned it today, just the, I'd like to not think hamster wheel because that's not very pleasant, but (laughs) the competing priorities that never enough time. Right. So much frustration. I just finished my annual performance review, and I just started out by saying I really dreaded doing it this year because I put together a big document for him, and I was like, I, I knew before I started that there were so many goals that I just didn't meet this right, year. Right. I did other things. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Busy. I just, just like said, your to do list. Yeah, right? yeah, right, right. So I think that's that's hard. It's yeah. hard for people who are into achieving and completion, and not much of anything is ever t- totally completed. So that's challenging. I feel like this has ramped up, and I don't know what we called them before. We now call them difficult conversations, but lots of difficult conversations. That's, you know, it feels like you saying 23 is the year of ramped up difficult conversations, yeah. right? They're yeah. just around every corner. You know, it has its lonely aspects. You have to be comfortable with that. You have to be comfortable. I think my husband once told me, you know, people are going to go home at night and complain about you. Yes, yeah. Oh, you got to be okay with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, they are. <laughs> um, and I'm glad they're doing it at home oh, and I'm not yeah, in the yeah, office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here's what I would say, though, and this hit me today when Christopher was talking. I think this is the biggest, I'm going to say burden, that association CEOs carry is what you feel your responsibility is to that industry and that group, to their ultimate success in the marketplace, to their family's well-being, their ability to continue earning a living for their family or for their employees, Mm -hmm. pay their employees. You know, the title industry runs with the real estate cycles. Oh, absolutely. So we are a roller coaster. Yeah. So we have good years and we have some really bad ones. And the bad ones are tough and you feel so responsible we've had some legislative battles that threaten to to really up in the whole industry and i mean it's like the way it feels like the weight of the world on your shoulders so i think that's the biggest thing we carry and you have to learn to sort of figure out how to put that in perspective yeah i think it's interesting you mentioned that because moving from a department head role to an organizational Mm -hmm. head role when i left my old association and i was department head when I got this job, I was told by my, my leader at the time was like, I hope you're ready to have solo lunches. Because uh-huh. I used to be like, who wants to go to lunch today? Like, yeah. I was like, and then and I was like, well, that's stupid. That What a dumb piece of advice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still have lots of people lunch. And then I realized I in my head, I, I thought I went to ask someone if they want to go to lunch. They said yes immediately. I was like, oh, see, people want to have lunch with me. And I, then someone reminded me like, you're their boss. They right. think that you are forcing them to have lunch with them. And I was like. Oh, crap. Or they're okay. about to get fired. Yes, yes. So, so I, I went back to the person. I was like, you know, you don't have to go to lunch with me if you don't want to. Like, I, I want to make sure this is... But then I started overthinking every time I talk with someone. Or should they... I take everyone to yes, lunch? Yeah, no, yeah. Well, take this yeah. one person. Why do I take everybody to lunch? Because someone yeah. feels slighted because I they just happen to be like, I was hungry. Right. And they mentioned they were hungry. Like, let's go to lunch. But now if someone sees mm-hmm. us going to lunch, like, what are they talking about off-site? So there's just so many things like you have to think about uh, that just play a different role when you move to that leadership yeah. role. 
So I, that's why. Thank you for answering. I was just curious what for you what was difficult because you make it look so easy. Oh, thank you. You make it look so easy all the time. God, I, I think I, I just felt the weight come on oh. me just hearing about it. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, you guys, you're gonna be okay. <laughs> we're we're okay. We're okay. <laughs> Richie Jackson, who ran the Restaurant Association for many years, when I got promoted in the CEO position, he said, uh, "Have you felt the quantum leap yet?" And I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, yeah. I've been you know, in this number two role for years, and it's really just a slight change. And he said, oh, no, you'll feel it. And then yeah. I saw him after a few months, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I get the quantum leap. Yeah, yeah, it's That's different. It, it it's does different. kind of make your shoulders. It does a little, a little bit. It's working on our posture a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> well, we're talking about your leadership, and we learned about your bucket. But you went from green to where you are now. How did you find your voice as a leader? Yeah, and then I won't shut up. Now that we're <laughs> it, right? <laughs> You know, I think that comes back to a lot of it to the support that I had that, you know, you build confidence if you got people back and you have. I did one time have a board chair tell me, we'll all be cheering you on as you walk off the end of the plank about a certain issue. Oh, I can't wow. remember what it was we were doing. So sometimes that support's a little interesting, but uh, I, I think I, I think finding your voice, it's a process. It's, it's not an overnight thing. You know, I think if you get a little success under your belt, it just takes a little bit to kind of mm-hmm. help you build it, you chip away at that. Uh, maybe it's the imposter syndrome sure. or the lack of self-confidence. You just chip away at that and you don't want to do things. And, and it is tough because you're going to fail some. Yeah. And and you don't want to have that be a, you know, the chink in the armor for you. But I will say too, I know it sounds crazy, but I think crisis help you with that because you no. are just thrust into yeah. it. You don't yeah. have I a can choice. That. Yeah, yeah. I can see just, that. No 100%. time to think. Yeah. No time to think. I had to, back to the legislative battle that we had a few years ago, I had to step up and do some stuff I really didn't want to do. I had studiously avoided ever having to testify at the Capitol. Yeah. I had to do so, that. Uh, I had to do it in a high pressure moment with mm. our members behind me. And I oh knew it gosh. was like, you know, all eyes on you and you know, the dais is asking you questions. Yeah. Uh, this is a lot friendlier format. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I'm so glad. Yeah. So those are places where you just go, I got to suck it up and do it here. Wow. Um, um, I can't So imagine. that, I think, empowers you. That Finding your voice, would, same thing? Yeah. Empowering? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think. Wow. And with your voice, Leslie, do you feel like it's constantly changing or you think you have found it and I'm not, I don't plan on adjusting that any, any kind because of... I always feel like, you know, when you find, you find your, I, I call it, you find your jive, you find mm-hmm. your jive and you find your space. Um, I really want to know what year you felt the imposter syndrome fell off because I, <laughs> that, that, that'll be the earmarks on my calendar. Let me uh, track that back. Yeah, I'll please, get back please, with you please. on that. So I'm just yeah. curious if, if you feel your, you, if you have noticed your own voice change in your leadership style. Hmm. I mean, as you're asking that question, I'm also thinking, I think you have to be careful with your voice yes. to not get too loud. I mean, sure. I'm sort of metaphorically speaking there, but I mean. You have to be careful not to get carried away with that and get too assertive. I mean, there's always that balance you have to strike. Right. Especially as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about, you know, around your board table, right? Yes. Yes. When is it you insert yourself? How often is too much? Right. How forceful is too much? I will say this is veering off into the women in leadership issue, but I think that was a challenging thing for me in the beginning. And my group was such that early on, our board was mostly men. And it was was not uncommon for it to be me and a table full of guys. And you have to literally interrupt people. I found that out in those settings. And that didn't feel very ladylike. 
Mm. Uh, it wasn't something, yeah. it, was, it was not something I, I was comfortable with. Yeah. And now I'm totally comfortable with it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys shut up and listen to me. <laughs> I've got something it's to say. It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, it, anything like that evolves, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and I also think it's in our space is that we have, depending on your org, for instance, we have a new boss every year. Like yes. you have a new board chair every year or every yeah. two years, whatever yeah. your process is. Finding your voice with that person yes. every year is a process, right? Because yes. I don't know any other space where you report to someone different in that short period of time as part of your career journey. I love that. Though. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite things about the job. I should have said that. About, <laughs> I that. You get a bit a different boss every year. Yeah. You get somebody that's at the peak of their career. Right, right. Somebody you can learn something from. But yes, you definitely. I start about six months ahead of time. You do try okay. to kind of work together and get in the groove of that. You okay. have a meeting, and you know, how do you want to work together? And what's your communication style? Do you know? Do you want to talk on the phone? Are you a texter? You know, and you get that kind of figured out yeah. to get in your groove. Yeah. You know, I've had some folks that I either never got in the groove with or it was midway through that I got sure. in the groove. Or you got in the groove as they were leaving and you're like, as they this got is my the groove. groove as they were leaving. Goodbye. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would not name names. No, but no. Yes, and we would never ask them to. So you're no, safe. No. Safe space. Yeah. So obviously we, we talked a little bit or touched on that being a leader is difficult, mm-hmm. right? It's very hard. I would venture to say the last three years have been the hardest for leaders through this whole process of pandemic and figuring how we navigate that. Mm -hmm. How do you keep yourself sane when you have the hard conversations, whatever? When you go home, how do you brush it off or to be there for uh, the other part of your life you have to be present for? So you're making a big assumption (laughs) that I am. Oh, yeah. So you leave with it and keep it. (laughs) No, no. Well, that I'm saying. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I see. I see. Okay. So... You know, one of the things that this is, this is what I always say to others. I try to preach this to myself. You're the only one who can set your own boundaries, especially today where we have so many communication portals and where we've now blurred the lines between the end of the work day and the beginning of the next one. Because people are going to push you as far mm-hmm. as you are willing to be pushed in terms of your availability during what might be considered your off time, if that exists anymore. So I think years ago, I sort of tried to set, well, what are those boundaries? Some of just between me and myself, mm-hmm. right? Yep, I, yep, yep. For a long time, and, it, and it, that changed over time, depending on what your priorities are. If you're raising a family, then it's like, okay, I'm not going to do evenings, but I'll do, I have a day on the weekend, or, or I'm not going to do weekends. So, you know, wh- whatever the time frame is, set those boundaries. Figure out what, you know, what are the little things mm-hmm. Sometimes they really are like tiny little things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I will stop in the middle of the work day and do the Washington Post quiz. Great. Does anybody do the Washington Post quiz? Uh, I I know, but it sounds fun. The the New York Times one and the CNN one. Oh, wow. My little quizzes. So that's kind of fun. like a little challenge, a little dip out and get back in. Yeah. Whatever those little things are, you know, get your nails done, whatever, massage, (laughs) whatever those things are. Don't be all about work. So over the years, I've tried to pick up. I'm not really a hobby person. Sure, sure. But, Nor am uh, I. That's interesting that you're not a hobby person. No, not a hobby. But I take I did horseback riding lessons for a while, ballroom dancing lessons oh. for a while. I've been trying for the last 10 years to play golf, and it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. And when yeah. I'm out there, and I think golf is the best. I mean, there probably, others would argue hiking or whatever. Sure, sure. Whatever is Speaks the issue yeah. where you really can't be on your phone. Yes, yeah. It's rude to be on your phone. Yeah. It's sometimes dangerous to be on your phone. Right. Little balls are 
flying around. Yeah. So something that completely forces you to be outside of workspace. I love that. Take your vacations, really take them. Yeah. I, I do do that. That's good. It's, it's gotten harder. You have to go into another, you know, out of the country is good. It just gets hard. <laughs> Don't have yeah. service. Don't I, have I'm service. In, I'm sorry, in no Canada, service. Italy, sorry. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I mentioned Girl Scout board. Uh, before that, was uh, I was on the Alzheimer's board. That has been tremendously helpful to me to do something that's sort of similar to what I do, but where I can share the skills I have, but that's completely unrelated to work. And I, I really would encourage everybody to think about doing that because we, we have so much to give. And there are so many groups that need us. Yeah. That's escapism right. for me. I know that sounds crazy. No, no, uh, I, that makes but, total sense. Because it takes a lot of time yeah. to do it. So it's it's not leisurely. Yeah. Sometimes, but it's fulfilling. And sometimes for me, I find the most mundane tasks help me check out. Yeah. You know, like... Um, yeah. I'm going to embarrass myself here a little bit, but I like to do Legos just because it's just <laughs> okay, connecting. Okay, embarrassing. Yeah, yeah we just connecting, <laughs> put that together, but I follow a little book, and then I'm like, oh, look how pretty that is. But I don't have to think about anything. Someone telling me what mm-hmm. to do. I don't have to make a decision. Yeah. And it's really nice, and that's one of the things, also going on vacation, like you said, if someone wants to find me on a vacation, they're like, I planned it all. I'm like, fabulous. I will just show up. And I don't have to make any, any decisions. decisions. Brilliant. Let's do that. So, you know, I think the big, really the kind of the overlay on all of that for me is just optimism. That's the biggest lifesaver. Yeah, for sure. Just approach every day as, as positively you as you can. Yeah. Every crisis as positive. Yeah, we're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Right. Yeah. I'm going to get fired from this job. Yeah. I'll get another one. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. I, I think that, and that sometimes I, I feel like the, over the past few years, especially with all we've had to deal with, it's been harder to find the positive or at least stay positive, right? Because you, yeah. you might have been inundated with bad news, whether like your That's your budget's low or you're mm-hmm. not meeting your numbers because of COVID or whatever. But forcing yourself to see the bright side of things is, is a skill in itself, I feel like. Yeah, at the same time in those same situations, like losing the fear of that, you know, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose my job. But then a lot of people were just like, you know what? I'm okay with that. You know, yeah. I'm going to find what, what works for me. There's like a little bit of like a silver lining of that position. Yeah. yeah you know no, I mean? It's sense. a letting go. Yeah. And anything that allows you to reduce that stress that you're carrying around. Yeah. 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 And it is, uh, you know, with all the, I mean, you said it's changed in the last few years. And I think it has. There's, think of all of the inputs we get from so many places, every, every social media outlet that you look at. Yeah. However you get your news. Political climate's very divisive right mm-hmm. now. We've had a, I mean, a pandemic that none of us could have ever fathomed. So it's a lot. But you're bombarded. Yes, yes. With negativity, I think is what you were yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. So hey. the job is harder than yeah. it used yeah. to be. Yeah. yeah, right. And like you said, I think, like you mentioned, that being positive is a skill. And yeah, I think it it's a skill you have. We have to flex more than we have been in the past because I think it takes more to be positive now. Right. Nowadays. And there's the old. You like you. You do kind of come hardwired, I think, one yes. way or the other, more right. or less. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. But if you don't come hardwired on the positive side of things, it's a skill to work on. Sure, and I think sure. they're probably exercises. Oh, yeah. There are things you can do to... Right. And maybe you have to remove yourself from some of those negative impacts. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of the one, like, say three positive things before you go to bed. Yeah. And when I, I tried to do that during the pandemic, and I kind of got stuck a few times because I was like, well, I don't really know if, like, 
going on a walk was positive. It's just I got up from the bed and I went to the kitchen. My legs still work. Yeah, yeah. my legs. That's what someone <laughs> was like. Well, your legs, your work, your legs are working. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I, there you go. I think that's positive. But like, I ate lunch today. That's exciting, I guess. Uh, so I was like, well, yeah. you nourished fun. yourself. And, yeah, that's right. There, there you go. Little victories. Little victories. Baby step. No, I like the skills. If we're talking about skills, let's say I'm a new leader in the industry, what skills other than being positive should I be developing? So I know it's going to come as a stunner, but relationship building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your secret to that? Yeah. If you're not a people person, Leslie, how do you become uh, a I am a people person. No, no, I'm not just you. A, no. I'm just an <laughs> Let me clarify that. I'm just an introvert. Defensive <laughs> in introvert. Yeah. If you're not. <laughs> I relate very um, much to that. So I saw, it was at TSAE, a brilliant presentation on that. It's been quite a few years ago and it was Eve Becker Doyle. And I think Eve was sort of like professed that, you know, this is kind of not my thing. I'm not even really sure I like people that much, but it's part <laughs> of the job. She had the greatest system. Now, it, it would need to be updated now. She kept, I think they were index cards okay. on her involved members. And she kept like son at SMU and likes to do this or that. So she boned up on who people were and kept this little file system. And, you know, when she knew she was going to be in a meeting with a certain group of people, she'd just pull out her cards and make sure she was ready so that she could say, oh, hey, how was your trip to Jamaica? Or, you know, how's your son doing in college? Or so she had it down. Now, social media, I think, has been a tool for us. Right. Because in the beginning, I was a little skeptical about friending members. Okay. Yeah. Whether I should do that or not. Mm -hmm. Then I realized how useful it was because yeah. I could, I always had something to talk to yeah, them about. Yeah, yeah I saw absolutely. This on Facebook. Absolutely. She also would buy cards like in mass quantities. Okay. So you would just get a card from Eve if you saw her somewhere, then you'd get a funny card. But, you know, for any kind of congratulation or just, just anything. Yeah. So there are all kinds of little devices. If you think it isn't your thing, my point is, I think you come up with things that help you, the tools to help you do it. Sure. For me, it's always sort of come naturally, so that's handy. Yeah. You know, I work at it, too, with trying to remember things about people and bring that back up. I I know this is a silly thing. I think I probably learned this at the TSA seminar, that you should always, when you like come into a committee meeting room or a board room, walk the full table shake hands, whatever it is that person likes to do. If they're a hugger, hug them. If they're a handshaker, if you just want to pat them on the shoulder, yeah. say a word or two, work your way all the way around the Take room. Kind of helps you get in the mode for the meeting, especially if you're an introvert. Yes. Helpful. Prepare you. So there are lots of tools, I guess. I, I love say. that so much. You reminded me, my husband recently was talking about, he took his phone whenever he put in someone's number, you mm-hmm. know, and someone he had just met. And made a couple notes in there of the things they talked about when he yeah. did it. And then he saw that person not too long ago. And when he brought it up, he's like, I used my notes in my phone. And he was <laughs> and, I, and he was like, and I brought up that one thing that we had talked about. And he was like, it, it just immediately they were back in that level of the conversation. And then, you know, they continued building from there. But maybe you take those index cards and you put them in your phone notes. Yeah. It's a <laughs> great idea. Yeah. And it's it's funny because you guys are making me think of there's a, a show on HBO called Beep. And, and I love, the, love the great show, right? And she had a handler who would, she, every time she meets one, he'd whisper in her ear like, he has oh. three kids. And I'm like, oh, my God. that How handy would that be if you had someone just like leaning in like, just got divorced, don't mention marriage. Like, oh, yes. Yeah, how are you? Uh, so it's kind of like creating your own little like yes. aside here. And that made me think of that when you guys like that. You're right. It's not not in a stalking way, but like going to like Facebook and like 
oh, they got a promotion or LinkedIn. You see yeah. someone announcement that they got a promotion or a different title or yeah. something like that. They it's, go on vacation. Cool. Yeah. You have to ask about that spot. And the note thing is huge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a handwritten note, especially today, yeah. is like the most special thing to get from somebody. That sure. You've it's so different. Hand addressed it. Right. And But, it, but it's always been. Terry Townsend you know, was sort of iconic. He, he didn't know me, but I won like the young TSA. What, what would it have been? Young, young professional. Young professional. Yeah. Young you professional, you I think. And I got this wonderful handwritten note from him, and it was like, oh, I mean, the he Terry took the time, yeah, 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 to yeah. write that note. I mean, I have the notes. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's awesome. So that definitely is a skill. One thing I haven't talked about that much, but is decision making. Mm-hmm. So really, you just make decisions all day long. You mm-hmm. said that when you go on vacation, I don't want to make any decisions. Right, right. And I mean, they're big. They're small. They're everything in between. So if you're not comfortable with making decisions, I actually had. I don't use it very much anymore because it's kind of become embedded, but it's like a decision-making matrix. Like who will be affected negatively or positively? Is there a financial consequence? Is there a legal consequence? Is there a political consequence? You know, and so you kind of go through that little process. We built it for advocacy issues, but it's good for anything. Yeah. So bone up on decision-making. If you're not comfortable having hard discussions with people, start doing that. I think all of that, you know, those are the things you've, you've got to be kind of building up your portfolio of those things that when you make the quantum leap yeah. that you would have to have. Those are great. Yeah, yeah, really good. So we're coming close to the end of our time with you, Leslie. So we always ask the first and the last question the same way. So I'm letting Katie ask the last question. Go for it, Katie. <laughs> all right. Well, Leslie, why do you think it's important to belong to industry groups like TSAE? That's kind of a softball. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to what we have at Long Together, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's an easy one. Well, of course. I mean, I feel like I'm a living testament to why it's important to belong to TSAE. I was greener than you can imagine, really. I was, you know, whatever, a 20-something, whatever. I was still a baby boomer, but I was in my Gen Z years <laughs> of that. And just... You know, the support, the mentorship, the friendship, the true professional development, learning how to publicly speak. You know, we all got to practice what we preach, right? Mm-hmm. This is what we have chosen to do. We believe in associations. Just the, his well, word, you know, cue the patriotic music. But it is <laughs> sort of what sets us apart that people are able to really gather together and form groups sure, to yeah. improve their sphere to find common solutions, to get educated, uh, collaborate on things, advocate for things. Yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the mentorship, the friendship piece. So when I was TSAE chair, I was I think it was chair-elect because Chuck Courtney was ahead of me. I think he was making his outgoing speech. He said the most beautiful thing. While he was saying it, I was also thinking, oh, Chuck, you stole all the good stuff, and what am I going to say next year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here was his thing. He said that through TSAE, you find mentors, mentors that become friends, friends that become family. Mm. And don't we always talk about it's a family? It's yeah, right. TSAE family, yeah, for Where sure. Where else are you going to find that? Yeah. I know there are other places, but... Obviously, I'm a big fan of associations. Yeah. This has been really fun. Yeah, thank you for being with us, Leslie, today. We really appreciate you your time. come back? Yeah, time? Oh, yeah, you tell yes. us what you want to talk yeah. about. You know, they open invitation. <laughs> so uh, thanks again to our guest, Leslie Misley. Yes, we you, really Leslie. appreciate you being here. 
excited that we finished our second live episode. Yes, very, very thank you to everyone who all came to our see live us audience. Today. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and with that, make sure you check us out on any podcast where you normally listen to your favorite podcasts. And I'm Stephen Stout, Executive Director of the Texas Society of Association Executives, and my co-host is Katie Marker. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much. See you next time. <laughs>